Well, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Boyce, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And joining me from Savannah, Georgia, is Ted Denard. Did I say it right? You know, we say Denard and Denard, either way. Um, okay, so Denard. You're good. So, and I met Ted at the Natural Products West Expo in Anaheim. And many of my listeners know that I go there every year. Uh, because a whole segment of this show is on wellness and it's on uh, making the world a better place for the most part uh, by whatever all of us can do. And uh, Ted is definitely an example of that. And Ted, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Um, Also, thanks for sending me some of your finest quality honey. Uh, This is a, if you're wondering why this is in a wine bottle, that's because this honey is a, called a gold reserve honey. Uh, and when you go to the website to see how much it costs, you'll see why. So this is this is definitely, and he and I will get into talking about that. He also makes a lot of other products. And when you go to the website, it's not all, it's got a honey derivative in it, but the honey hot sauce is another one. And this one I thought was interested with honey with cinnamon. Uh, so Ted has found a way to really you know, what we call spice up the honey. Um, it's it's really quite unusual for all my listeners are listening. I'm going to say a little bit about you. Um, if you notice, the name of the company is called Savannah Bee, and it doesn't have the word honey in it because their mission really is about bees. Um, he's celebrating his 20th year uh, in the business. Uh, he's committing to bringing the customers the most delicious honey sourced from beekeepers around the world. We're going to talk about that. Most of whom we know by name and these beekeepers share a passion for saving the bees and each are carefully tending the hives to promote healthy bee population and a better environment. Uh, He believes that our greatest impact is in education. We're going to talk about the Bee Cause Project, which has provided 800 grants in schools across the country and beyond, introducing children to the science of bees and giving them a hands-on connection. And if you really want to watch a cool little video at his website, watch him when he takes the bees out to the school and puts them in his hands. And the teacher does the same thing. Uh, Very, very cool. And each jar of the honeybee powder beauty products and cultivated hive are working to save the bees. Uh, And he does have quite a variety of products, which we're going to get into speaking about. Now, Ted, you said you're celebrating your 20th year in the business. And since you started the business, what really has changed in the world for beekeeping? And how have you really grown the business in spite of the mites, in spite of the issues and the challenges that has been faced? We've all of us have heard about it. But you know what? It hits the media. And like most people, most people don't really know what's going on now. In other words, it's like, okay, the world was focused on all these bees dying from the mites, and now we're not hearing much of anything, but I know you're still being affected in ways. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Beekeepers um, and their, and bees, and therefore beekeepers, are kind of been struggling and under duress for, for a long time, and, and I think when it was media top of mind, um, you know, pe- you know, the bees are dying, Um it just made headlines, but but what's that's been happening for longer than those headlines 
you know, we're celebrating it or, or lamenting it, I guess is a better way of putting it. Um, and, and we're still dealing with it. But, but beekeepers have been and will continue to find a way and persevere and keep bees alive. And, um, you know, there's a lot at stake. There is. And it's, you know, it's I know the biggest challenge you had for a while really was the mites, right? Is it? Yeah. I, if, if you ask me what's the worst problem i think the mites are the the root cause kind of the if there's a pyramid of problems they're kind of at the base and um if you didn't have them i think the bees might could handle a lot of the other ones um without collapsing and then but yet these mites are just yeah they're they're terrible parasite largest parasite to host relationship in the animal kingdom wow and and i i think that so many of our listeners probably don't know much about that, right? They at the time the news broke, they maybe weren't even paying attention to it or not. But you know, you've got an interesting story, and I want to involve into that. Um, you, your father owned a piece of land, and you're involved with the bees since you were 14 years of age, mm-hmm. and you did a really cool TED talk too. And you really have a love for the bees. And this older gentleman by the name of Roy Hightower says, "Hey, I want to put." Um, my bees on your property, right? So it's kind of like you were leasing him space. And I don't even think you did that. You just traded out to learn about the bees. Can you speak a little bit and talk about what some of the things you talked about in that TED talk as well? Because obviously Hightower was the infusion and the start of all this, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, if I can put it succinctly, I I I kind of, the beehive is analogous to everything in my world, right? I'm like all the way down the rabbit hole of honeybees, but uh, everything they do is just kind of one interaction at a time. Um, They go to the flower, flower benefits, they benefit, and they just repeat that. Um, And just, but through repetition, those little acts build up to this amazing thing. Like one beehive visits over half a billion flowers in a year and basically keeps the flowering plant world healthy and and therefore feeds the planet. And I could keep waxing on forever. Um, but Roy was that first interaction, that first domino, I guess, um, introducing me to the world of bees. And had he not done that, I may never have gone down this, this journey. And, um, but, but I did, you know, so he introduced me and I loved honey and I, I don't know what made me so enthralled with and captivated with the different types of honey that the bees created from different types, different species of flowers. Um, but I was, I was all the way in, um, not so much in the beekeeping, but into the honey. And, uh, and then I had a landlord in college that entered, that, um, taught me about the amazing facts. And then I joined the Peace Corps and they sent me to Jamaica to teach beekeeping. And so it just kept, you know, you know, I was, my path kept uh my paving stones in my path kept getting laid before me. I had no idea where we were. No, headed. no pun intended, but is beekeeping and I don't follow it, but I have a love for it. I don't know why either. I I I consume lots of honey. I'm always interested. Is it a dying breed? Um, I would have said so 25 years ago, but there's been a huge resurgence in hobby beekeepers. Um, on the one hand, which is great because they're not moving bees. They're just typically just in their yard. And that's, I think that's really good for the bee population. Um, as well with, uh, the need for pollination growing so strong 
the price that beekeepers get for moving their hive to a farmer's orchard or field has gone up so high that it's now very profitable for someone to go into the commercial beekeeping business. So it's there's been a big resurgence in the last 15 years where um, I don't see it going. I mean, it's not going away. That's for sure. Well, I, I think you bring up a point that, again, many people don't know, but I'm aware of, like in California here, in the mid part of our, our state is uh, the biggest avocado, uh, not avocado, almond, almonds. almonds. And there are guys who uh, raise bees just to stick them out there in those almond orchards, right? And Absolutely. they get paid handsomely from the almond tree owners to actually bring their hives in. And you're saying this is the commercial trade that you're making reference to. Yes, it's yeah. It, it, it extends beyond the almonds. The almonds are an early crop. So basically in most parts of the country that are frozen and you're having to maybe feed your bees to, so they can stay warm and, and fed, um, they they get to move to California and pollinate the almonds. And, and so they're making money. And like you said, good money for yeah. colony um, <laughs> when they would normally just sort of just be doing nothing. Um, and so that's a great start to the beekeeping year. And some people, don't, they really don't need to do anything else except keep their bees alive for the rest of the year. And they and, can do it again. And, and, and I watched a documentary about it. And some of these guys travel with these bees a very long distance to get to the almond trees in California. I mean, some of them come oh. across all the way from Colorado and different parts of this no, country. Here, here yeah, huh? Georgia, East Coast. Yeah, for sure. No, <laughs> pretty much nearly every single commercial beehive leaves and goes to California. Literally, yeah, yeah. every beehive. It's, well, it's, it, I mean, for those of you who aren't aware of this and you're listening to this podcast right now and you're thinking to yourself, these guys will pick up and put them in their trucks and move them all the way over here. To stick them out in the middle of the, the almond trees is just <clears throat> mind-boggling to me. Now, obviously, when they're in these fields, you have pesticides, you have climate change, you have all these other factors that are affecting this what's fragile ecosystem of the bees. Um, <clears throat> and what have you done to save the bees and manage the hives? Because <clears throat> all of these are factors. Climate. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. pesticides, you name it. We look, we all struggle with that. I say we, we probably all, whether we know it or, or not individually are, are getting these same pesticides in us. But um, the bees are sort of a good canary in the coal mine and they are, you know, highly sensitive and, and affected by it. Um, we, we do everything we can to keep our bees alive and thriving, and yet we still run up against problems. Um, again, there's mites. You can treat with mites. There's certain um, medicines. Um, some are natural. Some are, are less so, but there's, and you can mix it all up and have, you know, a very diversified um, means of kind of protecting them from the mites. But um, But ultimately, you still have... Here in 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 Georgia, the mosquitoes can be so bad that they spray for mosquitoes with helicopters. You know that's that's it's just falling on everybody um, and all the insects, and it's kind of an indiscriminate killer. Um, so yeah, we're up against a tremendous amount of of, of obstacles to well, but also as going. these as these areas like Savannah, Georgia, 
places where I live, even in San Diego, you know, we've seen such tremendous growth in housing and we've seen changes in the actual, you know, really when you look at the amount of flowering plants there are, they've been reduced tremendously because of the industrialization of just these areas, right? And it kind of saddens me because I don't see as much ability for this pollination um, it, the bird population is also in, in, affected by this, but are you, I mean, are you in rural areas with most of these bees trying to find places where they can find flowers and play and nectar? <clears throat> yes. Um, so couple, let me give two answers to that. One is uh, there are times that it is healthier for bees to be in a city. Let's just take New York, for example, um, tons of people, tons of concrete, but there's also a lot of planted, you know, ornamental trees and flowers and bushes. And um, and the bees, honestly, they can do better in a city than they huh. might do n- near a cornfield in the middle of the, you know, no city in the middle of Iowa. And I'm not picking on Iowa. Right. But, you know, if you have a monocrop, um, even if even if bees wanted to go to it, um, if it's it only blooms for like so many weeks, right? If, if right. many weeks, and then it's right. done. And then right. if there's nothing else growing, they have nothing else to forage and feed. And the the diversity of flora that's in some of the cities um, can keep them going because there's a succession of blooms, and and so they are able to get nectar, which is what they make honey from, um, and then they get the pollen as well, which is sort of their vitamins, proteins, amino acids, and everything. So um, so. That's that's one answer uh, that sometimes cities can be good. Um, the other thing is, yes, we do go to places that are just forests uh, for the t- the type of honey that we want to make. So the the big bottle of gold reserve you picked up, that's made on the Tupelo trees. Those are just starting to bloom right now. Um, and only only in the rivers and swamps between Savannah and West Florida, nowhere else in the world can you make the honey. And, you know, if it's been windy and dry, so if it's not over 80 degrees, humid days, if it's too windy or too hot or too cold or too too anything, um, you might not make any. And so, um, and bees, because they need to visit 2 million flowers to make one pound of honey, you can't just have a few flowers. You need to have literally a forest of that type of um, species of plant that you're trying to make honey from. If you're going to make a single flower type honey, um, and but if you time it right and weather cooperates, you know, you do have climate change, which is major. Um, and but if it if it can come together, you have strong bees and you know what you're doing, you can really you can make some good honey. And then then you can move those bees and it's not going to hurt them um, to the next forest that is going to bloom. And it's a different type of honey, but you can make an, another honey there and then you can move them again, you know, and just you're following. This so it's diversified. Yeah. Yeah, you're following But you know and- the the life of a honeybee is worker bee is pretty short, right? 6 weeks. 6 weeks and I'm sure many of my listeners know that but just to repeat, 6 weeks isn't very long time. No. The queen bee um how long does she last? And- uh, that's a lot I love that story. So um <laughs> the queen is born a worker bee and so she's kind of like Cinderella. She's fed royal jelly, which is this substance the bees create from this gland on the back of their head, feed it to the queen. She uh, can live for years. So 
40 times longer, super fertile, can lay thousands of, of eggs a day, um, determine whether it's male or female. And it's a fascinating story, but yes. <laughs> it really um, is. <laughs> colony is the super organism. That's the entity. And um, so it's not the individual bee that propagates a species. It's when a, a hive splits and the queen leaves with half the bees, kind of like mitosis, and she's she goes and makes a new home and she leaves half the bees with a new queen to take over the old hive. And so that's how one hive becomes two. And that's ah, in- interesting because it is, you know, look, you want to study bees, you could go to his website, but there's plenty of references out on Google to much of this. But um, the reality, it's it's a fascinating study of nature. And I think what you said a minute ago is that, you know, at a very micro level, um, the way our environment has been going, the bees are one of the first to see it and be affected by it. And whether it's been too little water, not enough flowers, pesticides, this fragile ecosystem is so important. And I think that's why it's important for people to understand kind of more about honeybees and and what is the correlation between that global warming you know, what's going on here, the challenges that we're having. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show. And you really pointed that out uh, quite effectively. And I want to thank you for doing that. Anything more you want to say about that? Um, No, no, I think that's that's right. I mean, look, the, the planet will still be here. But if we want a healthy planet, the way that we inherited, you know, uh, where you have healthy a healthy plant world producing oxygen, sequestering CO2 and um, producing food for the animals and us, you know, and stopping erosion, all that stuff. You need this, you know, this relationship between pollinators and flowering plants to to be healthy. And yeah, and no, that's at the base at, at the very, very base of um, what makes up this ecosystem, you know. Yeah. And so people I know they understand that, but they need to be reminded. And, you know, one of the things your company does, as you said, you don't have honey in the name because it is about the bees. And you've added so many derivative products that I noticed at the website, like lip balm, honey hand soap, honey cream, there's a line of products. Um, you have 16 retail, like you said, now 14 retail locations throughout the Southeast and one all the way as far west as Sedona, Arizona. Can you tell us about the outgrowth of the business and all these products that you've kind of added to your line of products? Because it's normally, you know, when you see a beekeeper and a guy selling honey um, and you're a much bigger business than most, um, all he or she is selling is honey and in varieties of honey. You know, they don't have lip balm and they don't have hand creams and they don't have any of this stuff. How did all that kind of happen? And, you know, how did you finally end up getting this in the retail side? Um, okay, that's a lot. So initially, right, I started out the same way. I was uh, I, I was a beekeeper and loved bees, and I didn't really want to sell honey. started selling a few jars of honey. And then it's not uncommon for, like, the beekeeper to make the honey and, and the wife is, is – and now you have plenty of women beekeepers, but sort of right. traditionally it was like – the, the guy would go out and make the honey and and then they bottle the honey and the wife would 
help put labels on and then she'd get the beeswax and stir it up with some oils and make some salves and some lip balms and they'd sell that on the you know roadside stand and markets and um and have a family kind of business like that and then and that's how I started too, making lip balms and crock pots and 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 candles using the beeswax and and then that just grew over the years um and I ended up farming out the beekeeping kind of early on I guess and so I was buying the type of honey I wanted from the region of the world really that I wanted to get that honey from and I really focused on expanding the business and the products and and so um it was you know it seems like it happened like that we have a hundred and something different skews but most um it's been, it was a long long process to get there honestly well you even have biscuit mix <laughs> well we so we're we, that Hot one little we, biscuit mix <laughs> yeah in our stores we uh Callie's hot little biscuits. That's a Charleston company. So we, we, we support a lot of different businesses. Um, we have potters that make tea mugs for us and coffee cups. And we have, you know, Callie's biscuits out of Charleston making a biscuit mix that we then resell in our stores. Um, so that's where that comes from. And, and we love helping other businesses to grow. And, and, um, you know, that's what I like about you is because I could tell that when I met you at natural products that, you were kind of a connect the dots kind of guy. In other words, you, you, you're a good businessman, but you're doing good with that. And you, you then said, Hey, look, I want to do something uh, that I think, and you've, you've formed this nonprofit called Because Project. And yeah. I want you to tell us a bit about it. It's an educational program for children, United States, Canada, Bahamas, and Puerto Rico. And you've done a lot with this. And it's very apparent at the website. When you go to the website, there's many videos up there on the website about it. So um, tell our listeners about the Because Project. Um, So one of the ways I feel like you can make lasting change, and I think you kind of insinuated early on, um, is through, you know, education or just raising awareness. So I think if you can expose anybody, kids or adults, Two bees, it's it's this, I mean, it is like Alice in Wonderland. It's just so fascinating. And so it started by putting one gl- educational glass beehive inside of a school in Charleston. And then we, and then um, this woman, Tammy Enright, who's now and has been the director of the bee cause, um, we, we, she wanted some in her kids' school. So we, we got some more schools to do it. And then some in Savannah and the, the kids and the teachers and the parents and the just even the community just got on board with it and learned so much and embraced it. So we, so we had this idea, like if we could put this in a thousand schools, we could raise a whole generation that would understand love and protect the honeybee. And so that's what we set out to do. And Tammy gets the credit for growing it to as many schools. So there's over 800 schools that have been given these, these beehive grants. Um, And so it's, it's, it's making a big, big effort, you know, and, and that's, um, that will probably be the best legacy. And again, Tammy gets a ton of the credit. We still support it financially as do some other people. Um, little shout out the whole kids foundation for, for supporting them as well. Um, which is a, but it continues on, you know, I mean, I think you're supporting it financially, but the reality is it, the impetus of it was kind of you and Tammy and Tammy carried the ball and that's what good entrepreneurs do. You know, they support the people that can support them. And that's what I love about you. And that's what you're doing. And now, you know, 
The other thing you do that I found interesting that maybe other beekeepers out there and people that um, manufacture honey would say, but you source it from all these other places. Um, And that's a pretty interesting business model. Um, What's the purpose for sourcing all these other places? Like, you know, you have lots of friends in the business, so you get their honey. Uh, You get other places for honey. And then, so you now have all these resources to get honey, correct? Oh, yeah. We have a a very vast network of beekeepers pretty much around the world. I mean, we don't get honey from everywhere, but um, I know a lot of these beekeepers from big world beekeeping conventions and just networking and, 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 and I've sort of been on this, this search for, you know, the world's best honey for, you know, since (laughs) I was a kid, really since 1980. And and, uh, here it is. Yeah. And honestly, (laughs) it comes back to be right in my backyard. Um, The Tupelo honey and then the sourwood honey from the mountains of North Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, that those are really arguably the two best honeys in the world. Well, I will say I haven't opened this yet. See, my listeners can see I'm I'm saving this. This is almost like fine wine. You know, you can put it up in your cupboard and you'll source it. But um, I am such a a believer in this that I'm, I'm so thankful to have you on the show and to speak about this. But, you know, that gold reserve honey, you've told a little bit about it. And why do you believe those Tupelo trees? And now I think it's this one. Is this one the one that's sourwood. on the two sourwood? And this is number 1512 of 3000 bottles. So you, and it even has his signature on it, folks, on the side. It says, Ted, you only bottled 3000 bottles of this? Um, we put 3000 on there because we thought we were going to do more this year. What it turned out, we only got three and one half barrels, which is a 55 gallon, you know, food grade barrel. Right. Um, and you, we would have needed six to make 3000 bottles. So we really are only going to have 1700 of these this year because it just out of 158 barrels of honey, we only those three and a half made, made the cut, the grade um, where we could, I could feel good about selling it as a gold reserve. And how many people are working in your honey business today that are helping you package all this, put it all together and get it out to the world? Yeah. So it always blows me away. It's like, really, that many people work here? Um, we have 50 people, a little over 50 people that work in this warehouse um, where we have our offices, where you do all the stuff that all businesses do, sales and accounting and um and marketing and uh, you know social media all that stuff customer service uh but we also um bottle all of the honey here um so we have guys bottling honey receiving barrels and shipments and sending off testing food safety people we've got shipping people but yeah so 50 something people here are putting it all together and then there's another 150 people working at those those 14 retail stores that are you know also, we're retailing it and and educating people as they come in and they get to so taste. about two hundred people total between yes. what's there at the plant, correct, and what's in these fourteen retail. stores. So you know, it, it's quite a bit. You know, it's a it's a big business. Um, and I want to thank you for doing that because number one, you're helping the economy, you're helping people make a living, uh, you're doing it the right way, you're giving back uh, through the Because Project. 
Now, uh, what is in the future? Before we actually got on the air, you were talking about the potential of of uh, someone maybe doing some work on Amazon or representing your products on Amazon. But what's the future for the business, the online business look like? And are there any new products that are coming out that you're developing that, um, I mean, heck, I've never seen anyone develop as many honey-based products as you, but you know, who knows? You might have some more up your sleeve. Oh, we we have a lot, man. <laughs> there's, I could turn you around. There's a whole list. <laughs> on this board, um, we're we're actually working to try and focus and on on fewer uh, products, so we're not coming out with so many. Um, but um, ultimately, the vision is a, a our vision, right? Is a a healthy world where bees don't need saving, right? That's the world that we see in the future that we want to try and initiate. Um, and our mission is selling these products. Um, to help us, you know, help save the bees, help our efforts to save the bees. So, um, so that's, that's the end goal. And there's lots of products and services that will roll up underneath that um, in the next, hopefully decades. Um, But, but right on the, right now we're, we're coming, there's a honey coffee, a honey roasted coffee. Again, we partnered with a Charleston uh, coffee roaster and we've, he's created this real proprietary way of, of roasting the coffee with honey. That sounds good. It is. It's like really good coffee. And it, and again, same story from cooperative farmers that benefit. I mean, it's all really good high mountain stuff. Too bad um, you can't infuse matcha tea with honey because that is my favorite. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where you either put the honey in the tea. Uh, right. And I think probably of all the tea drinkers, which I am, I don't drink coffee. Um, that's probably why my love for tea, because I've always every only sweetened it with with that and it is matcha tea and it is always sweetened with honey um, awesome so, so we've got yeah honey roasted coffee we have actually a honey barbecue sauce three different versions um that's about right to here? roll out too honey hot, our honey hot sauce so we have a honey hot sauce we have a hot honey which is just a, a habanero oil infused honey um that's all honey the the, the hot sauce is is half honey with vinegar and Scotch bonnet, pepper mash, and all kinds of stuff. Um, but yeah, the main things right now are the honey roasted coffee and this and these honey barbecue sauces that are coming out. Well, you're quite inventive and you're quite creative. And I want to say for my listeners, honey hot sauce. I had never seen it until I went by his booth. That was the first time I saw honey hot sauce. Now I haven't tried it yet, but I will. Um, and as I said, also this whipped honey with cinnamon. Uh, he has found different ways to do that. And he also sells honeycomb. Uh, so if you go on the website, <clears throat> um, you can buy honeycomb. And for those of you who are kind of more purist, you would cut off a piece of that. What I've found from honeycomb is it's a little more waxy, um, especially in how you're using it. Any tricks there? You know, you don't want to put it in your hot tea because it melts the wax and then the wax kind of yeah, gets on it the ends surface. up on the top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, if you will eat it with those hot biscuits and fresh breads and um, that's an easy way. Uh, we, we eat it with apples, believe it or not, and cheese and charcuterie and stuff. So a honeycomb really makes all of that better. Um, it's really and then that cinnamon honey, you if you take some slices of apples and dip in that cinnamon honey, it is so good. And then I also will get a spoon and 
just get fill the spoon up with that cinnamon honey and then get almonds and just kind of dredge it through the spoon as I'm eat like eating these almonds. It's like great. It tell trust me, it's like and it's good. So cinnamon's a superfood, honey is too. So let's so, talk about it. I mean for you. doctors will tell you, and this is my last question to kind of wrap this up with you, but you know, you're going to talk about the health benefits of honey. We've all, you know, over years, people said, oh, the health benefits. Can you tell us why honey is a good anti-inflammatory, anti-intoxic, anti <laughs> I got to say this, right? Yeah. Um, and antibacterial agent. But the the thing is, is honey is, and, and I have nothing against it. Maybe I consume a little bit too much sugar, I think, for the diabetics out there. But I guess if you're going to consume... <laughs> Any sugar, you'd probably be better off consuming it in the form of honey uh, than you would in brown sugar or white sugar. So speak with our listeners about these benefits. Yeah, I love that. Um, uh, all right, so I'll start with the uh, the antibacterial part. Well, part of it is, I, and I'm no <laughs> chemist or, or or biologist or anything, but the um, you know the the sugars will actually kill the bacteria because it's in the same way that salt might. Um, so, so bacteria really just can't grow in honey, which is, a which is, um, makes it antibacterial. There's also peroxides in honey, um, that when it contacts your skin, these natural peroxides, um, are produced. So it makes a perfect wound healer. And I mean, I'm telling yeah. you, it's the only thing that's ever been on my kids' band-aids and my band-aids and I can it's go honey. about that. Yeah, it's just honey. I have a fr- I have a friend who actually made band-aids with honey in them and he actually marketed them and they were I don't remember what they were called but it was like a honey and I thought he was absolutely crazy but I, I still know. have some of the band-aids here and I used them and it's amazing how quickly it healed the wound. Yeah, yeah, you don't scar or go on and on but yeah, so honey is great for for antibacterial um properties um and then both for um, the uh, anti-inflammatory and the antioxidant parts. Um, it's the enzymes in the honey and this like like the phenolic acids in it um, that will inhibit like the inflammatory response. Um, but it also stimulates these anti um, these inflammatory mediators. So um, they're going to help both prevent it. And then also if it happens, um, if you already have inflammation, it'll help mitigate it. So that it's really good for inflammation and, and the antioxidant activity is kind of similar. Um, that those enzymes and phenolic acid are going to help protect the cells from damage, uh, just their environmental damage and oxidative stresses and, and things like that, um, that can end up leading to cancer and other diseases. Uh, so, you know, they, Beekeepers are, are supposed to live, I've heard, you know, um, they live longer than any other profession. And mm-hmm. they attribute that to the raw honey and pollens and stuff that beekeepers consume. A lot of times the beekeepers, you know, they strength, they, they'll purify and clean up the honey for their customer, but they eat all the other stuff. Um, so they're getting it like the honeycomb and they're getting the real raw honey. Interesting. With, filled with enzymes. Um, and let me add this other thing is that, and the, there's bees are so studied, you know, um, and they're learning stuff all the time. But not that long ago, maybe 10 years ago, they'd done some studies and found that in the little honey stomach where bees carry nectar, it's not mm-hmm. their digestive stomach, but it's pre-stomach. Um, there's 14 um, probiotic bacteria that can live for a while in, in nectar and fresh honey. They help stop the nectar from fermenting 
Um, but they had to come up with names for these new bacteria. But those might be really good for for gut health, perhaps. You know, this is uh, um, something new. But fresh honey could be better for you than honey that's been been around for you know six months or something. I think after two months, the sugars and stuff, even in these back these sugar resistant bacteria, and the bacteria end up dying off. Uh, you know. <clears throat> It it's always interesting to speak with somebody who has the knowledge that you do as a beekeeper. And I think for all my listeners, you know, go study if you need to the medicinal effects of honey. Honey's been around forever and ever and ever. I've watched documentaries about people in various places who were, you know, uh, it, when all else failed, they, they at least had honey to sell. I forget the, what that video was that I watched, but I remember some older woman up in the area and the only way she ultimately survived was from, from her honeybees and um it it really is something when you look at eons all the way back to the beginning of time it seems like people have been harvesting uh yeah. i wouldn't say it's the oldest crop but it's got to be one of the oldest crops uh yeah. and when i say crop maybe i'm using the wrong term but uh these these hives well Ted, it's been an honor actually having you on the show and you sharing this with our listeners. And again, for my listeners, you know, go to savannabee.com. That's where you want to go. There you can access all of the products that we just talked about and that we showed, including this, the private reserve is up there um, and all the other products. And Ted, anything you want to leave with the listeners before we kind of uh truncate this interview I, you know we we wholesale all over the nations so I mean, it's it's in a lot of stores like your albertson's has our honeycomb in it in southern california um it's not you know they people don't carry everything but um but yeah we 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 have a pretty good little business wholesale business so be on the lookout um, um you're say, out there they can get it they can get it at i think you told me lazy acres does are they carrying they, it there's there's I don't, there's thousands of them. I'm not sure yeah. if it's Lazy Acres or not, but if I said that. Well, you that, know what? Yeah. If you can't get it and you, you can always go to savannabee.com. All you got to do is go to savannabee.com and order it and they'll ship it to you, right? And I will say their shipping is very quick. Um, they may not be quite as fast as Amazon, but it's quick. Definitely <laughs> yeah. go, definitely go to team. the website. And he said shortly he'll be back again on Amazon through a seller. So, um, but I, for now, just go to savannabee.com and, and order yourself some and test it out. See what you think, because this and look is... around and learn. Um, I, so I'd leave you with this, that, um, through all this business, I was a religion major. I did, so I didn't study business coming along or anything. And, and I see business maybe a little differently, but, but the, the bee, so I see a beehive business model as one where, everybody wins, you know, so it's in the same way that a beehive operates. And so I think if your customer wins and you as a business win and your employees win and the environment wins and um, then it's going to be sustainable and successful, um, maybe more so than than some that are that are not like mutually beneficial, like a beehive. Um, bees have been here for a hundred and some million years. And so they basically invented sustainability through partnering with partnering with the flowering plants. So um, I would just encourage everybody to try and, you know, live like the bees do. 
Well, you know, that background in studying religion and spirituality, you know, my my master's degree is in spiritual psychology, and I could tell that about you. You know, being a compassionate person and being a person that loves what you do, I can tell that. And again, what happens is if you can live in harmony, which is what you're basically doing, you know, you the, the whole bee population, if you really look at how they work, and if you've ever seen documentaries, they really work in harmony to get the honeycomb created. And it is an amazing thing, isn't it? it um, there's a, you know, plenty of the elder, we quote this sometimes about it, nature in her entirety is nowhere more seen than in her smallest creatures. Um, and I feel like these bees are like windows into the whole world of nature. Yeah, it's amazing. They they definitely are. And Savannah Bee is helping keep that alive. Go support Savannah Bee. Go the the bee cause. Um, and Ted, blessings to you. Thank you, Thank man, you. for being Thank on the you. show and spending Thanks some time with here. me. I really appreciate your staff and you sending out the product. And thank you for your donation to Compassionate Communications as well. I'm going to reciprocate to Savannah B. All right. Hey, you're awesome. Very, so great speaking with you. And I hope we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.